Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and I'm by myself today. Charlie is not here. I have spoken with him, though. We do know that he is okay. But, man, what is this, like three weeks in a row now that he hasn't made dumb bleep? I'm starting to think that he hates dumb bleep or that he at least hates liberty. I don't think there's any way of getting around that. But anyway, if this is your first time listening, make sure you hit that subscribe, that follow button. Normally, it is myself and my BFF of the last like 18 years or so, Charles Chuck Thompson. It's just me today, but today is Dumb Bleep of the Week. That's the easiest one to do by yourself because we have tons of content. The people in the live group who join by going to joingmail.com, they get to vote on what the dumbest one is. That will move them forward to Dumb Bleep of the Year when we do our Dumb Bleep of the Year tournament at the end of 2022. All right, so let's get going on this list. The first thing, actually, the first one is not an actual Dumb Bleep entry, so we'll switch over to this. I just wanted to mention a little bit of news that we had this morning. Uh, The news that we had this morning was that the unemployment rate actually came down to 3.5%, and we added 528,000 jobs in July. And man, let me tell you what the people in the media are loving it. Look at this Biden boom economy. Everything is great. Who says this is a recession? We told you this was not a recession. And now we are, uh, you know, we're just pumping. This is like the best economy you've ever seen. I know you guys can feel it out there. It doesn't get really any better than this from what I can tell. Now let's go through some of these numbers. I'm going to try not to be biased. Uh, But I probably will be, but I'm going to try not to be biased. I just want to tell you some of the problems with these numbers. This doesn't mean that we're out of the water. And some people are acting like this means, oh, yeah, we're we're out of the woods. Whatever, I don't know know if either one of those are good sayings. But I don't think we're out of the woods yet, even though we got these numbers and they're looking pretty good. They had estimated that we were going to add 250,000 jobs in July. It was 528,000. Now, the market dumped on this news. Why? Because that means the Fed might need to be a little bit more aggressive with their interest rates. Uh, but we added all these jobs, and the unemployment rate, which has been at 3.6% for a bit, went down to 3.5. Boom. Killing it, Biden. Biden killing it out there. This is all him. Or it could just be the fact that we've recovered. Now, officially, we have recovered all of the jobs that were lost from coronavirus. It has a mortality rate that is astronomical, has infected millions of people, of course, and it also is a job killer. That's one of the things that was worked into its uh, sequencing, of course, was killing the jobs. We've officially now gone over the total employment number from February 2020. Look at that line. See that one that goes down? Then there's one that goes up. That means that everything's fine. Now, does that actually mean 
that uh, everything is fine? I don't, I don't know. Let me tell you a couple things that aren't good. Uh, first off, yeah, we did recover this whole, this whole job loss. It's all back. Now, one question you want to ask is, okay, we just spent a couple of years. We spent several trillion dollars. We did all of this damage to the economy. We have tons of inflation. Where would the jobs number actually be if we had continued on the same path? Because even though we've gone over now February 2020's level, what would it be if we had not done all of this crazy stuff to the economy? That's one question that you would want to ask. Uh, the next thing is, is this jobs number really representing what's going on? Or the unemployment rate really representing what's going on? Probably not. One thing that is not good is that the labor force participation rate actually went down a bit, even though we added over 500,000 jobs into the economy, the labor force participation rate went down. Peter Schiff tweeted out the same thing that I had concluded from that number, meaning that this was likely people getting multiple jobs. Now, that's not the same point that AOC made, even though I did bring the video just for fun to see if she makes the point again sometime soon. Uh, so when you have the actual labor force participation rate go down, but you add a ton of jobs, 500,000 new jobs, that can mean that people are getting multiple jobs when that happens. Why wouldn't the rate, the participation rate go up with those new jobs? Well, uh, that's likely the reason. Do you see this labor force participation rate? It's still well below what the number was before the pandemic. So that's one bad part of these numbers. And then the next one, there's also another ratio you can look at, which is the employment to the population ratio. You see, when you just look at how many jobs we have, that doesn't account for the fact that our population has increased over this entire time. And you want a certain percentage of your population to be employed. So even if the number goes up, well, did it go up did it go up equal to the amount of people that were added into the population? Now, of course, babies that were just born in the last couple of years, we don't expect them to start working until they're four or five. As libertarians, they can wait till they're four or five. That's fine. Uh, but as you can see, the employment to population ratio is still down below what it was in 2020. So this is, we're, we're still not there. We're still not there, even though you're going to see tons of stuff about how great this is. Let me give you an example of something that, uh, you might hear AOC say, because she said it in 2018, so I can only assume that she's going to say um, basically the same thing because she's not biased politically uh, really at all. I'm assuming that this will be kind of what she'll say. We look at these figures and we say, oh, unemployment is low. Everything is fine, right? Well, unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Unemployment is low because people are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and can barely feed their kids. Yeah. Exactly, AOC. Exactly. I'm glad I was able to find that video, and I am anxiously awaiting what she will have to say about our newly found unemployment number of 3.5%. I'm sure it will be basically the same, basically the same thing. Okay, so that wasn't even a dumb bleep. I just wanted to cover a little bit of that news. Now let's go into dumb bleep number one, and we went ahead and made it AOC. By we, I mean me, because I did have this in the list. I know we're thinking about 2024. Who's going to go? Who's going to who's going to be running for president? Who's going to be running for president? The Hill had a great article. Great, great, great article I just found today. AOC is the Democrats best shot against Trump in 2024. This is dumb bleep number one. AOC best shot against Trump. Let me first say I really hope that Trump is not running in 2024, although I guess he likely will be. But AOC, really, that's who the Democrats want to put up? 
I can't. So initially, I'm like, yeah, do it. Do it, please. Make this happen. I'm fine with that. Who cares? Then I'm like, oh, crap. What if she wins? Can you guys imagine how terrible that would be? Part of the article here from Dumb Leap number one, they say when Barack Obama came out of nowhere to win a Senate seat in 2004, it almost felt preordained as if he was the person we had been waiting for to breathe fresh air into the Democratic Party. Flash forward to 2018 and the meteoric rise of a 29-year-old bartender from Queens feels eerily similar. Yes, it does, doesn't it? She's been unafraid, unapologetic, and unwilling to bend to the will of Washington. She's a force to be reckoned with, and in 2024, Democrats are going to need her force to reckon with Republicans. This is exactly what the... You see, the problem with Democrats is that they haven't gone far left enough. That's why they've been losing some supports, because they're not crazy enough on the left. Of course. AOC is less of a personality and more of a movement. Yes, the smart, photogenic congresswoman is the face of the rising progressive movement, but she's also the future of the Democratic Party. AOC has cultivated a following beyond politics. She's an influencer in its purest form. Her ability to relate to her supporters and allow them a glimpse into her private life is a blueprint for Democrats trying to act less like mannequins and more like humans. Boom. AOC for president 2024. What do you guys think in the group? Would that be overall a good thing because she would just get blown out? Or is that kind of scary? Is it kind of scary? Because what if she wins? I don't know. Number two, Rob Reiner. Now, I hate that he's such a crazy leftist because, I, you know, I like, I like some of the movies that he's in. You know, I, he does a pretty good, he does a pretty good job. But Rob Reiner... He says, screw politics, screw poll numbers. Joe Biden has a record of accomplishments in the first two years of his presidency that has gone unmatched for almost 60 years. Oh, oh, Robert. Screw, he's got a record of accomplishments in the first two years that's gone unmatched for almost 60 years. Like uh, record high inflation rates. That's a pretty big one, you know. Government debt, he's... Blowing everyone out on that. I mean, Trump helped too, of course, but he's blowing everyone out on that. Gas prices, record high gas prices under Joe Biden, of course. When you look at what his other records are that Rob Reiner is actually talking about, of course, the amount of jobs added in his uh, in the first part of his term. And people actually do take that seriously. Imagine for a moment actually taking this seriously that we go through a pandemic where governments shut down a bunch of businesses and force people to leave their jobs. And when the government tells you that you can now go back to your job, that those jobs that those people go back to would then be counted under the president as jobs that he created. Imagine actually taking that seriously. I know it's tough to actually get yourself into the mindset of, uh, I wouldn't say leftist, but I mean, you know, Trump, Trump people would do the same thing. People on the right would do the same thing. Just being like that much of a, of a robot, uh, not actually being able to think through the next level. I don't understand. I don't understand that. That's dumb number two, Rob Reiner. Okay. Number three, this one's pretty gross and uh, pretty sad. So representative Jackie Walorski from Indiana died in a car accident a couple days ago. 
maybe a few days ago now. And very sad, you know, and a, a couple other staffers died with her as well. I believe the people in the vehicle that they hit also died. Uh, so it was a terrible accident. Now she happened to be a Republican. And what I found out is that she was also a Trump supporter. And so therefore, this must have been a benefit for our society, right? Well, this tweet right here comes from John Anthony Castro talking about the death of Representative Jackie Walorski. Here are the things that you need to think about when you think about this death. She objected to the certification of electoral college votes. She promoted the big lie. She voted against impeaching Trump for the January 6th insurrection. She voted against creating the January 6th commission. And she voted against holding Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress. Don't you feel a single bit of sympathy for this insane, unhinged, murderous lunatic, Jackie Walorski? Because she, I mean, how could she not impeach Trump because of the January 6th insurrection? That's crazy. She said that the, the election was stolen or could have been stolen. <sighs> Did she even deserve to be alive, guys? You tell me. She was a Trump supporter? Who cares? Who cares that this happened? I'm obviously being sarcastic right now, just so everyone knows. Um, just, uh, just being a smart ass at the moment. One of the replies on here, a lot of fake outrage in these comments. There's people that were upset about this guy saying that. She worked actively to take our democracy apart by trying to hammer a wedge into one of the most important pieces of the system. Why should we fake sympathy for a bad person? And this is the measurement. She was a Trump supporter, and she thought that the election might have been stolen. Why would you fake sympathy for someone that is that terrible of a human being? They don't deserve to live. Okay, and I'll add on another dumb thing on top of this. Even though this person thought that this was a terrible comment, the original comment, they thought it was terrible and heartless. Matt Laszlo, who I believe uh, works for, I know I saw the Rolling Stone on there, maybe Vice was on there, I can't remember who else. Matt Laszlo said, so heartless, sincerely, a survivor of January 6th, whose video of the breach of the Capitol you have seen. Yes, Matt Laszlo was there covering the protest, working for one of those outlets. On the left... But he even said that this was a heartless comment and you should trust him because he is a J6 survivor. There you go. J6 survivors fund. That's what we need to start right now. That was dumb bleep number three. Dumb bleep number four. Now we talked a little bit about this yesterday. We know Brittany Griner. Uh, she was sentenced to nine years in prison in a Russian gulag for the crime of having some cannabis oil is illegal. It is illegal in Russia. Uh, they do have laws against that. We know that. Okay. <laughs> it's very hard. It's, it's tough to read the comments and, and talk at the same time at the same time, but Griner, I barely know her. Thanks, Jeff. Brittany Griner hates America and deserves to languish in a Russian prison. 
from the Blue State Conservative. Now, this is likely not a super popular publication, but when I did search about Brittany Griner and American and Russian laws, this was one of the first articles that popped up. This is from shortly after she was arrested, but because she was just sentenced to prison, I wanted to point out how uh, terrible of a thing this is to say. One of the things, you know, just imagine being like pro-America. Well, why are you pro-America? Why do you love America so much? Is it because America, the country, America, the government, America, the country is just so good and rah-rah, we love it, or we everything they do is amazing, or you should love this country or get the heck out? Or is it because you love the idea that we have individualism and we have self-ownership, or these are some of the ideas anyway behind America? And that's why you love America is because it respects those things, which makes it a great country because it respects those ideals. If you're someone who just wants to go rah-rah America, everything we do is awesome, and you have to love us or get out, then you would say, well, because Brittany Griner doesn't like America, then she deserves to be in prison. Mm. That's a really bad idea. Let me read a little bit from the article here. Let me be clear about one thing. This is from the article. It's not me. Let me be clear about one thing. I don't care about this story. I care only about using it to advance a sane response to the absolutely insane religious zealotry believed and practiced by leftists. Moreover, I hope Griner languishes in a prison cell. Allow me to explain. In the summer of 2020, following the drug overdose by George Floyd... Griner explained that she would be protesting the playing of the national anthem before games remaining in the locker room. She went on to say, quote, I honestly feel we should not play the national anthem during our season. I think we should take that much of a stand. Now, do I disagree with her? I do disagree with her. I probably disagree with her on almost every single thing. And the good thing about America is that we are supposed to respect that different people have different opinions, even if they hate you, even if they disagree with everything that you believe in. The good thing about America is not America itself, the fact that a country exists and we have a government. The good thing are the things that the flag or the idea of America is supposed to represent, which is freedom of expression, freedom of ideas. All those things that the government is supposed to protect, those rights that you have that are natural to you because you're a human being. That's why you're supposed to love America, is because of those things. And when you find someone that doesn't love America and you say, based on this, you don't even talk about drugs in this article, by the way. Not even like people who have a little bit of cannabis oil and their suitcase deserve to be in prison. That's not what he was saying. This person hates America and they are now in Russia in prison and they deserve to be in prison because they hate America. That is an anti-American thing to say. And if we have both sides being like this, one, one side here, one of the sides has got to be the principled side that actually practices what they preach. And if both sides are having this type of ideology about the other one, we, we're not going to go anywhere except for into a civil war. This might end up happening anyway. I'll go to the end here. Brittany Griner 
despite being a black female, has enormous privilege in the fact that she's wealthy and well-known. Should she be rescued from her supposed fate, she ought to reconsider her worldview. Is America so bad that it would embark on a diplomatic mission to free her from her own mistake? Is America so awful that she can get as high as she wants without worrying about prosecutorial concerns? Her future in Russia is dreary. Her future in America is promising. Yeah, I don't know how wealthy she is playing in the WNBA. That's a good point. Because of unequal pay, sexism. Uh, that's the that's the main reason. And many advantages being taken. That's the only reason possible. Now he, so he kind of has a point at the end that she should reconsider her worldview. You should reconsider this. You hate America, but look how you're able to be free and do the things that you want mostly in America versus some other countries. I do think that it would be worthwhile for her to reconsider how terrible of a place America is, at least as it relates to a country like Russia. I think that's a pretty easy comparison, and I bet you she spent a lot of time already doing that, and she will spend a lot more time doing that. But that does not mean that she deserves to be in a prison cell because she doesn't like America. I think I made the point. We'll move on to dumb bleep number five. Oh, one more thing. Forgot. There's one more thing connected to this whole story. Michael Knowles, Daily Wire, he says, unpopular but correct take, Russia's drug laws are much more reasonable than our own. Yes, Michael Knowles, that is extremely, extremely reasonable. Nine years, nine and a half actually, but she's going to get some time served uh, for having a little bit of cannabis oil. Much more reasonable. That's great. Costco, you got a lot of submissions in this thing. All right, so he's connected to number four. Number five. This is the, it's the Costco special today, I'm pretty sure. And while we're talking about Daily Wire, we'll talk about this tweet from Matt Walsh and Maj Touré's response to it. People in the libertarian circles know who Maj Touré is. I, I agree with a lot of the stuff he has to say. Here's what Matt Walsh said. Well over one million whites were enslaved in North Africa between the 16th and 19th centuries. Most of them abducted and sold by Muslim pirates. Um, Africans were raiding Europe for slaves for hundreds of years. The school system has totally erased this fact from history. Is what Matt Walsh just said true? Yes, it is. To the extent that I've looked up those things, that does all seem to be uh, pretty true. There were a lot of white people that were enslaved in North Africa. I have seen that before. Now, here's what Maj Touré said, and then we'll explain what's wrong here. Here's what Maj said. Dumb, reductive, and horrible attempt at justifying the transatlantic slave trade take here. Conservatives love going full retard and damaging any inroads into black communities with these kind of takes. He says that he was just complimenting Matt Walsh on the What is a Woman film, and now this laughing face, laughing, crying face emojis. So, horrible and reductive attempt at justifying the transatlantic slave trade. I don't think that Matt Walsh was trying to justify the transatlantic slave trade. And there, this was, in fact, a tweet thread from Matt Walsh. I read through them. I don't see any justification of the slave trade. 
the point that Matt Walsh was trying to say is when you look at our when you when you look at our relations between people right now and you look at this divide that we unfortunately have between people of different races and you look at what's said about white people and of course uh, when you look at what's said about America and how we're a nation built on slavery of course and uh, white people have always been super oppressive uh, to the black people and there needs to be reparations paid and uh, some people would say that all the black people are victims because of all the terrible things that have happened you guys know the thing just go down like the critical race theory path what is absent from that conversation is that while slavery in america started in 1619 that is not where slavery started that's where slavery for black people in America started, was in 1619. In fact, slavery had been going on for quite some time, since probably the beginning of human existence. They probably weren't even the first slaves in America because we don't know if any of the Native American uh, tribes would enslave anyone. I'm not sure. I'm just speculating. Could have been something that happened sometime in the past. So the point is, do you just focus on one single atrocity that occurred in history and you pinpoint the people that did that and you say that they are the cause of all the problems in history and that the, the people that are alive now deserve to pay for that and all the things that we hear all the time? Or should we also include the fact that basically every race of people have been slaves to someone at some point in time throughout history? The last people, well, no, they're still slaves right now, so I can't say that. Slavery mostly ended when we ended slavery, of course, in the, uh, in the 1800s. It obviously still goes on in different places uh, around the world today. But we just happen to be sticking with, I'll say the last people, but you guys know that there's an asterisk next to that. We happen to just be sticking with the last people and then saying that they were the only people that were ever enslaved. I think Matt Walsh was making a good point, and I think Maj completely missed it. So number five, that was Maj Touré. Okay. All right, we get to play a video. This is Peter Ducey talking to, oh man, I can't remember the name of the new White House press secretary. Um, but the good news is that's only because I am uh, racist and homophobic. That's uh, why I can't remember the name. The Biden administration happens to be, just happens to be, building what looks to be a wall, what, what seems to be a, a wall, and, and they're not, it's not like this whole new thing. What they're doing is there are sections of walls in Arizona, and then there's places where there is no wall. And so they're using the Department of Homeland Security to place a wall between the other sections of walls in Arizona. I don't know what you call that. I wish that there were more words in the English language that could describe some of what's going on. Uh, but that's basically the best explanation I can give you. There's sections where there isn't a wall um, in between sections where there is, and they're filling in those sections. It's a long way of explaining it, but there aren't any other words uh, to describe what they're doing. So let's listen to this exchange between Peter Ducey, who is, <laughs> he's always fun to listen to, and the White House press secretary. What do we got? Why is the Biden administration building a border wall in Arizona? So um, 
we are not uh, we are not finishing the wall. Uh, we are cleaning up the mess the prior administration uh, left behind in their in their failed attempt. Uh, to build a wall, and I just want to be very, very clear here. On day one, uh, we returned the money, uh, the $8 billion the prior administration took from our military. We gave that back uh, to the military for military families, for schools, for bases. Uh, that's what that money was being used. That's what it was taken away from. And so, again, what we're doing is cleaning up the mess that the prior administration has done. But President Biden, when he was a candidate, said that there will not be another of wall constructed in my administration. Yeah. So what changed? We are not finishing the wall. If walls work in that part of Arizona, is this the administration trying to get migrants to cross somewhere else, like in Texas? What, what is the plan? We are not finishing a wall. We are cleaning up the mess that the prior administration made. We are trying to save lives. This is what is this is what the prior administration left behind that we are now cleaning up. By finishing the wall. Is this We are not finishing the wall. By filling in finishing We are not finishing the wall. By filling in uh, is this is this racist? Because in 2019, when the former guy was proposing a wall, he said uh, that it was his racist wall. So how is this any different? I'm just having a hard time understanding how this is any different. I'm not even sure how you get to your first question, to this question that you just asked me. I will say this. A border wall, I'm, I'm, I'm answering your question. A border wall is ineffective use of taxpayer dollars. So it's ineffective of taxpayer dollars, dollars that actually went to the military that the last administration, the prior president, took from the military, which took away from schools, which took away from military bases. That's what that money that he pulled away from uh, to build uh, this wall that he wanted that is ineffective, by the way, which I just said. Follow a question that I didn't hear Peter Ducey ask. If the wall is ineffective, then why are you building a wall in places where there isn't a wall. Let's all agree to the fact that they are not finishing the wall. We know that. But if they're ineffective, why are you building a wall in between sections of wall and you're constructing wall to uh, all the sections will then be attached to one another? It's not finishing. Um, if they're in an ineffective use of taxpayer money, if they're a waste of taxpayer money, then why are you building a wall? I do love that she talks about how they took money away from the Department of Defense to build this wall. Now, if you were going to have a wall, if you were going to, I'm not proposing a wall. I don't think the Department of Defense is the worst place to take it from. I really don't. You could argue that uh, that could be part of defense. The de wall spending. I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. But I love how she also says that, well, we took this money away to build the wall, and that, of course, has to come from the troops and the military bases and schools. She even throws schools in there. It takes money away from schools, of course. It never comes from, like, Raytheon or Lockheed Martin. Anytime you take money away from the Department of Defense, it has to come out of the troops and takes money away from these military bases. It can't come from any of the people that a lot of this money gets spent on. Anyway, that is number... Was that number six? I believe it's number six. Yep. It's not finishing the wall. We're not building a wall. We are cleaning up the mess. 
that the prior administration made by not completing the wall? I don't know. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I do a lot of things to take care of my mind. For a while there, it wasn't something that I ever thought about. I thought I could just go through life and not ever think about my mental health, whether or not I was too stressed out, whether or not I was burnt out, whether or not there were things that I could actually solve. But if you think about it, you're only going to get this one mind, this one brain, and you should really take good care of it in the same way that you would take care of your car if you were going to have to use it for the rest of your life. Don't waste any of your time being upset, angry, depressed, anxious, burnout, stressed out when there could be something you could do to actually fix it. There's a lot of things you can do, by the way. You could take some naps if you want to. You could take some time off, take a vacation. But there's also better help online Therapy. So therapy is something I've done. Charlie uses BetterHelp still. He's been using it for over a year now. So if there's something that you need to talk to someone about, you could use BetterHelp. Now, BetterHelp is an online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on the camera if you don't want to. It's a lot more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash GML. That's betterhelp.com slash GML. I want to tell you guys about a sponsor for the show, which is the Expat Money Show from our good friend, Mikkel Thorup. Listen, becoming an expat, that is a difficult decision. But for those of you that are in any way on the fence about this, you're curious about it, you wonder about the logistics of it, hands down, Expat Money Show is the best place to go to hear all of the advice, all of the strategy on how to do this. You're going to learn all about precious metals, uh, how to store your money the best way possible. You're going to learn about cool things like how to legally avoid paying taxes, getting passports so you can travel all around the world, how to actually protect the assets that you have from some of these tyrannical governments. And by the way, there is an expat online money summit, the expat money summit that is coming up in November. And yes, it is going to have the one and only Ron Paul speaking. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I tell you what, Mikkel, he knows exactly what to do because he has been living this life. He's not just a guy that's out there talking about this thing that you can do. He's literally living it on a daily basis. He he knows everything there is to know about becoming an expat. So go to the Expat Money Show, listen to that podcast, and also go sign up for the free Expat Money Summit coming up in November. Once again, go to the Expat Money Show on all of your podcast apps and go to the link in the show notes so you can sign up for the free online Expat Money Summit. We mentioned this earlier in the week, and we had these elections. And I just want to point this out for Dumb Leap number seven. This is why the Democrats spent so much money in this election on Republicans. That is right. The Democrats spent millions upon millions of dollars trying to get specific Republicans elected. What we are going to do is erase that from history. We will act like that never happened. So I just want everyone to be aware that that never happened. And we won't want to talk about that anymore. Instead, what we're going to talk about is this article from the Washington Post, which is about how the Trumpists are winning. Here are three reasons to fear them. Now, the Trumpists, 
that they mention in the article are people that were supported by the Democrat Party or the PACs for the party where they were trying to get them elected because they thought they would have a better chance of beating them come November. And this is, like I said, a win-win. If, they, if these people actually lose and the Democrats win, uh, then that's a win for the Democratic Party. If these people win, then they get to talk about how terrible Trump is. And they also, now leading up to the election, get to bring Trump into the conversation, keep Trump in the conversation because these are people that Trump endorsed. And they'll be able to talk about how this is essentially like Donald Trump on the election, on the ballot, and you have to go vote against Trump. This is a win-win scenario for them. A little bit from this article. The Trumpists in question are Republicans who won nominations for positions such as governor and secretary of state in critical swing states. The alarming truth is this. Many of them deny the legitimacy of President Biden's 2020 victory, even as they are seeking positions of control over the certification of future presidential elections. But the reality of the threat this poses keeps getting lost in euphemisms. There are there's an unwillingness in the media to state the true nature of their project in plain, blunt, clear terms. This is dangerous. This here is dangerous. Now, that's why they want to do that. This gets its own dumb bleep because, like I said, just be ready for this. The fact that the Democrats supported these people and that likely many of them would not have won if not for millions of dollars poured in from the Democrats to support their elections. Just to show you, like, like just kind of, so I'm from Illinois, and there are these two guys. There's Irving and Bailey running against each other on the Republican side in Illinois. Now, Irving is this kind of, uh, comes from central Illinois farming community, white dude thing. Irving, a black guy from northern Illinois, like around Chicago area, maybe outside of Chicago. I can't remember exactly where. So the Democrats spent $37 million in the Republican primary trying to get Bailey elected over Irving in Illinois. Why? Probably because they knew since Chicago is who elects the people in Illinois. It's whoever wins Chicago wins Illinois, basically. Since Chicago elects, they wanted to make sure that Irving was not going to be on the ballot. Now, I did mention that he does, in fact, happen to be black. I'm not saying that that's the reason. But just think about think about the meddling that's going on in the elections from the Democrats. That's dumb bleep number seven. Number eight, I want to say a special thank you to who filled in last, uh, last week, Alex Abernathy. He filled in for Charlie. Alex Abernathy, he was on here. It was great. Um, he, did a, he did a great job. Some would say even better than some of your co-hosts that you have here on Good Morning Liberty. He posted about this, and I found it to be pretty interesting and pretty ridiculous. So there's this New York Times article. Here's the title of the article. They're just going to let me die. One woman's abortion odyssey. And this is a story that has played out in Tennessee. Tennessee's just going to let her die. Representative Gloria Johnson says that there's no other way to say it the Tennessee supermajority has passed legislation that will kill women and girls, and they couldn't care less. It's already happening. And here is the proof 
from this New York Times article about this girl who says they're just going to let me die, question mark. Alex, by the way, this is why I saw this story was because he responded to it, made a good point, which we'll go through here in a second. He said an abortion in Tennessee is legal in this scenario. By the way, this was a life of the mother scenario. It literally says it in this article, which we'll read here in a second. He said, so please explain how it is the Republicans killing this girl when it's literally legal for her to get an abortion. And that is the case with this article, even though the title, once again, before we go any further, they're just going to let me die. One woman's abortion odyssey. How the overturning of Roe v. Wade is killing women and girls in the state of Tennessee. Madison Underwood was lying on an ultrasound table, 19 weeks pregnant, when the doctor came in to say her abortion had been canceled. She recalled she went quiet, her body went still. What did they mean? They couldn't do the abortion. Just two weeks earlier, she and her fiancé had learned her fetus had a condition that would not allow it to survive outside the womb. If she tried to carry the term, she would become critically ill or even die, her doctor said. Now she was being told she couldn't have an abortion she didn't even want but needed. She did not want to have the abortion. They had done, a, I believe, a gender reveal party, stuff like that already. Pretty sure. I think I read that in the article. She says they're just going to let me die. She didn't hear the nurses talking about how there was a clinic in Georgia that could do the procedure. By the way, this is in Chattanooga, which is basically Georgia. Tennessee allows. This is a pretty important, this is a pretty important line right here in the article. Just say, Tennessee allows abortion if a woman's life is in danger, but doctors feared making those decisions too soon and facing prosecution. Across the country, the legal landscape was shifting so quickly, some abortion clinics turned patients away before the laws officially took effect. So just so you know, in this story, which was retweeted, reposted, talking about how Tennessee's laws are going to kill women and girls, going to lead to the deaths, and people in Tennessee do not care. The New York Times article that says that they're just going to let this girl die, and here's the effect of the new law. What actually happened in this scenario, as pointed out by our friend Alex once again, go listen to his episode about this. I'll put a link in the show notes. As pointed out, was the doctor didn't understand what the laws were, and they were afraid to do the abortion. Now, I, had, I, don't, I haven't seen a follow-up on this, but it is literally legal for her to get an abortion. The doctor said that if she tries to carry the term, she could become critically ill or die. The, the baby is not going to survive. They already know this. She can have the abortion. Now, this doctor didn't know, either didn't know exactly what the law was or they wanted to cancel and reschedule so they could double check, make sure that they had all the proper stuff in place to make sure this was a life of the mother scenario. And she's going to be able to go back and get the abortion, y'all. But that... That part doesn't matter. This is like a 40 or 50 paragraph article from the New York Times where they're just calling out how scared this girl was because she was going to die and all the reasons that she needed to get this abortion. And they spend one sentence that says Tennessee allows abortions if a woman's life is in danger. That's the kind of stuff you're going to continue seeing uh, just to try and get people as scared and as upset as we possibly can. Let's go on to number nine. We got, let's see, we're coming up on... On 1 p.m. now. We're getting there. Nina Turner, one of the MVPs of Dumb Bleep of the Week. She posted a poll. It got ratioed pretty hard. pretty awesome. She posted the poll. Should POTUS cancel student debt? The options were no, people should suffer. 
Yes, 10,000, yes, 50,000, or cancel all of it. Those were your options. It ended up being 68.6% responded, no, POTUS should not cancel student debt. People should suffer. So that's pretty awesome right there. Uh, that poll did not go the way that she thought it was going to. And then she had another response on here that was great. From Matt Walsh again, speaking, speaking of. Matt Walsh says, yes, you should suffer if you purchase a worthless degree. The only other option is that someone else suffers on your behalf. Of those two choices, it should be you, 100%. Stop being a selfish coward. That feels like a pretty good point. Either you're going to suffer or someone else is going to suffer on your behalf. Which one is the most fair? It's not as if the stuff isn't going to be paid for. But Nina Turner actually thinks that this stuff isn't going to be paid for. Let me explain to you how much she literally has no idea what the hell she's talking about. Her response to Matt Walsh was, This shows that you don't understand how these loans work. They've already been paid for. Canceling the repayment doesn't change that. I'm confused as to why you think I would value your opinion. Matt Walsh doesn't understand how these loans work. They've already been paid for. How's, how's, uh, how's that so? How's that so? Here's what she means. The loans, the money that came from the loans already went to the colleges. So the colleges got the money. The, the government took on the loans. And she thinks that since the college has got the money from the government, that that means that the loans have already been paid for because the government already paid the colleges. But who pays the government? Does that, does that mean that if the government pays for something, it's paid for magically? They can just pay for anything that they want. Anytime the government pays for it, that means it's been paid for? I think she actually does believe that. And at this point, I'm starting to feel kind of bad for her. And I'm starting to feel bad making fun of her so much because there's a strong chance she's not all there. And uh, we're going to have to figure that out sometime. Um, listen, just because the government paid the person who performed the service doesn't mean that it's been paid for. Someone still has to pay the government for paying for the loan. For instance, if a bank pays a builder for your house, does that mean that you don't have to pay the bank back because the house has been paid for? No, it was paid for by the bank and you need to pay the bank back. Clearly. But apparently when the government pays for something, that money is just created out of thin air. No one ever has to pay for it. And people like this will see no connection between why we have inflation at 9.1%. New number comes out next week. I'm sure it's going to be down quite a bit. We'll see. And why we have inflation at 9.1%. They don't understand the, the correlation between those two things. So that's Nina Turner. Don't believe number nine. Oh, man. She is bad. It does get slightly dumber, though. Jamal Bowman, representative from New York, I believe. I believe today proposed a bill um, recommending price controls on uh, basically everything that's getting more expensive. Uh, so this is a U.S. representative, Jamal Bowman, recommending price controls. Now, this isn't going to go anywhere, even if the House did vote for it, which the House probably would vote in favor of it. The Senate wouldn't pass it. Let's go through some of this article about what Jamal Bowman wants to do. 
This proposal led by Representative Jamal Bowman, Democrat from New York, would charge a subgroup of the existing Supply Chain Disruptions Task Force with advising the White House on how to respond to high costs and volatility. I know what you're thinking. Won't that interfere with their other task forces? But uh, no, this one's going to be given priority level one. And it would empower President Biden to recommend setting ceilings and floors on prices. That's great. A sub-task force would be granted subpoena power to examine corporate earnings and expenses, focusing on five sectors, housing, healthcare, food, energy, and transportation. In an interview with the prospect, Bowman argued that oversight and regulation of the private sector, including preventing runaway prices in strategically important sectors, is a part of a healthy democracy. This is not, quote, this is not about controlling prices across the entire economy. It's really looking at where price gouging is happening, which is when supply and demand dictates that prices go up and you don't like it. Where supply chain shortages are happening, Bowman said, giving the American people a look at corporate books. Now, he, they do mention supply chain shortages in here, but they don't talk about fixing the supply chain shortages part. They just want to cap the prices. They have no clue what the heck they are doing at all. Quote, putting the lid on prices is not going to unblock the port of L.A. It's not going to end the war in Ukraine. But at the same time, an exploding price is not going to unblock the, unblock the port of L.A. So they make the argument that, of course, capping prices is not going to fix the supply chain. But exploding prices is also not going to fix the supply chain. Actually, it would fix the supply chain if people can get more. Um, they will do a better job at supplying goods. That's how supply and demand works. The only caveat to that is if it is the government who has the use of force, the use of deadly force over the top of everyone, who is actually the person that is ruining the supply chain. That makes it a little bit more difficult for the market to work in that scenario. He says, you can prevent prices from shooting up at a time when the price explosion will not have a supply reaction because there's an actual physical barrier, or because you've issued political sanctions, or because the Suez is blocked by a big ship. Addressing price hikes driven by supply shortages, in other words, takes time. And if the past few months have shown, you know, that's how you're going to fix the supply shortages, by the way. You put caps on the amount of money that the people that are experiencing the shortage uh, can make off of their goods. I'm sure the supply shortage would just work its way out. We've never seen this play out terribly in the past. If the past few months have shown the price run-up won't necessarily persuade, persuade executives to invest in more production, the same logic holds in the other direction. Blunting the price signal will not necessarily hold back investments in supply. For instance, rent regulation could be designed so that it does not inhibit supply by renting new construction at fair market value before price control kicks in. They have no clue what the heck they're talking about. I'm going to keep saying that. I don't, I'm not going to go through every single line of this today because we are somehow running longer again. The housing market, where various price regulations already exist in many cities, is the clearest candidate for government involvement to stabilize costs. On price controls for, on price controls for oil, he said, the jury is still out. Yes, the housing market. This completely free market with no government involvement whatsoever. There's no regulations. There's no rent controls. Uh, there's no tariffs on what we use to build houses. Uh, there's just absolutely no permitting process to be able to build or to not be able to build. It's about time we have the government 
have some involvement in the housing market so they can try and stabilize costs, right? Right? It's about time, everyone. Uh, Let's see. The tenant organizer in Kansas City described the shortage of truly affordable housing but said that supply problems will take at least three to five years to fix. He said that does nothing for the tenant who couldn't pay rent yesterday. Anyone who tells you that a supply-side intervention is going to be the answer to the current inflation crisis is lying to you. Yet another person who has no clue what they're talking about. These market signals would actually drive down the prices that people are trying to ask right now for these goods if you were to fix the supply chain side of the situation. These things are typically trading on futures prices, just like with oil. You know, oil prices went up. There was no shortage of oil at that time. The supply that we had on that day did not change. This is number 10, T-Dub. Tax reform, such as the corporate taxes proposed in the Inflation Reduction Act, could also help ease inflation. We got one more thing here from this article. Here's an example, by the way. In the 1970s, Congress gave Republican President Richard Nixon the authority to freeze wages and prices through an amendment to the Defense Production Act. The policy was carried out by no less a figure than Dick Cheney under the supervision of Donald Rumsfeld. As economics researcher Nathan Tankus recently observed, he said, here's the lesson, by the way. Now, this didn't go very well. Here's the problem. In the 1970s, we controlled the prices and wages, and it didn't go well. There were massive shortages. We had massive inflation. Things were not good. And so to respond to this, here's what went wrong. To me, the lesson of the Nixon price control experience is that you don't put Richard Nixon, Donald Rumsfeld, and Dick Cheney in charge of the economy. That's the lesson that they learned. It's a completely fine idea. A totally fine idea. You know what the problem is? We didn't have the right people controlling the economy at that time. And this time, we're going to have the perfect people controlling the economy. You guys know Joe Biden? That amazingly uh, intelligent and all there elderly human being that is the president. Yeah, you don't you don't want Richard Nixon doing this. You want Joseph R. Biden doing the price controls. That's the way that you do it. Those powers expired in 1974. Bowman's bill would give Biden new authority to implement strategic price controls. They, you just don't you just can't have the wrong people get a hold of it. You see, they know that the 70s didn't go very well and they acknowledge that fact in this article. But the problem was the wrong people were in control of the economy. This time, it's the right people. You're never going to have the wrong people in there again. This is a perfect and fine idea, everyone. All right, it's time to get your votes in. Everyone, go to the DBOTW channel in the live group. If you are not listening live and hanging out with us, then go to joingml.com. Pay as little as $6 a month so you can hang out with myself and even Charlie sometimes. And if you want to, you can make fun of them. That's totally fine. Totally fine. Get yourself a God Hates Feds shirt, or if you're on Team Nate or at least anti-Chuck, get yourself a God Hates Chuck shirt at God Hates Feds. That's God Hates F-E-D-S dot com. Grab your shirt or some of the other fine merchandise that we have here today. 
Uh, I did want to, yeah, I was going to mention this earlier. <laughs> Rob Reiner did double down on that whole uh, Biden has just a record accomplishment, so many great accomplishments. He said, I said it before, I'll say it again. Joe Biden has accomplished more in his first two years than any president in the last 60. We all need to shout this from the rooftops. He's out there shouting it from the rooftops about how Biden has record gas prices, record inflation, record debt, and extremely fake job growth numbers. Shout it from the rooftops, everyone. I agree. We getting these votes in? Let's see what we got here. Just a recap for everyone. We had AOC is the best person to take on Trump in 2024. We got Rob Reiner, super pumped about all the good stuff Joe Biden's doing. We got the responses to Representative Jackie Walorski dying tragically in a car accident. Uh, we got Brittany Griner deserving to be in a Russian prison. We got the miss by Maj Touré. We got the not a wall, not finishing a wall. We're not building a wall. We're just cleaning up the mess. And by the way, walls are a complete waste of money and they don't work. But we are building a wall and call it whatever you want. Then we got Trumpism is winning. The article did not mention that these people won because of their support from the Democratic Party. Tennessee clearly wants women to die. Nina Turner ha has no idea what she's talking about when it comes to student loans. And we got Jamal Bowman's price control bill. It looks like we won't have to wait too long. It's going to be not a wall. You know it. We're just cleaning up the mess that Trump made when he was building the wall. You see, the mess was that he didn't finish the wall. We're not finishing the wall, though. We're just There are sections of it where there's a wall and then there's a section without any wall and then there's and there's wall over here on the other side and we're just going to going to build a wall between those two wall sections. Not finishing. We're not building a wall. It's not racist. We're just cleaning up Trump's mess. You know the thing. Of course. All right everyone, if you enjoyed today's episode and I'm sure you did, hit subscribe, hit follow, hit the like button. Go find us on TikTok and Twitter and all those great places. Subscribe on YouTube so you can actually watch the video and see all the stuff that's going along with us while we're talking uh, like we have in every single episode. And if you do all of those things, and I mean freaking all of it, then we'll be right back here on Monday. Until then, have a good day and a good weekend. Liberty. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know uh, uh.